Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and like. And also, you can find us at FiveReasonsSports.com. Also, if you want to bet, BetterEdge.com. That's BetterEdge.com backslash Five Reasons. You get $20 to play. This is peer-to-peer betting. So you're not betting against the book. You're not betting illegally. You're betting peer-to-peer, and you can find the line that you want. You get $20 if you go to BetterEdge.com backslash Five Reasons. And now, tonight's episode. Down to this day. Uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buck said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Five on the Floor. This is your host, Alex Toledo. I know this is weird. No Ethan Skolnick tonight. No Leif Sylvander tonight, unfortunately. We do have Boy Wonder, Kid Prodigy, Brady Hawk. I don't know if that's disrespectful or not, but um, we're here tonight with a special summer thematic podcast. And it's uh, one of these that you see in mid-August when we've run out of topics. And honestly, it's kind of a controversial topic. So we waited long to get to this because I think it's one that's been, you know, heavily debated over the past uh, year or so, ever since we started seeing more of him. But Omer Yurtsevin, the guy... um, came in midway through the season, right, when a lot of guys were out and put up big numbers, helped the team stay afloat and stay with the high seed when their two best players were out. We saw Omer, you know, just put up big raw stats, which we're going to get into, right? And I think ever since then, it's like, wow, the Heat have two promising big men while you have the Eastern Conference trending bigger. Why isn't this a thing that they're heading towards more? They also have Deadman, right? And I think there's a camp of Heat fans that that really think that Omer is somebody who is not used enough. And it's something that kind of gets brought up a lot by, the, by that camp. And the camp, I think, grows bigger because of the way that Dwayne Deadman looked towards the end, right? And then the way that, you know, the last two seasons, actually, I mean, you could say three, right? Like it's not that they all ended for the same reasons, but the last three seasons for the Heat all ended with teams with size. Now the bubble uh, Lakers were actually worse when they had an extra big along with Anthony Davis, but just in general, they had good size. Then you had the Bucks with Giannis and Brooke Lopez. You had the Celtics with uh, Rob Williams, with Al Horford, along with just size all over the, you know, all over their roster, just like the Bucks. So I just think in general, Heat fans look at it as like, okay, this is a place where they can get more to help with some of their flaws. And 
I don't think we think it's as simple as that, but Omer Yurtsevin is an interesting guy because it doesn't seem like we know for sure right now who's going to be the backup five next season, no matter what we think at the moment. But I want to set up Brady here and stop talking myself because he came out with an article about Omer where he broke down the, the impact he had when he did play, including a, a lot of uh, clips and you should really check it out. It's on five reasonsports.com. But I want to set Brady up here because I want to know what you think when it comes to how good Omer actually was. How real were these numbers? And what do you think about the season that he had, although it was in short spurts and just a small sample overall? Yeah, the crazy thing is because Bam went down in that December run, they completely threw Omer into the fire. Like they just completely threw him into the fire on both ends of the ball. Uh, basically everybody was thrown into the fire in that span. It was just trying to see what would throw stuff at the wall and seeing what would stick. And Omer Gertzman was one of the things that stuck. And just looking at, I know it's never fun to just look at base numbers like this, but I was just going through just some of the stuff that he was doing in that run starting around like Christmas time. It was around like December 26th. He had 16 and 15, 10 and 14, 10 and 13, a 22 and 16 game, uh, a five and 17 game, a 14 and 16 game. And I can go down the line all the way until about January 15th. So this is about a month run of just elite play. Uh, and you're going down the line of every one of his games throughout that entire span, which I think we can go earlier in December, which is like about the 17th as well, was all double-digit rebounds. Like when we talk about Omer, I know it's never fun to just, just simply talk about rebounding, but the, there's just some, some guys that have a knack. He's one of them. Like he gets put in with two minutes left in a game, and he walks out with four rebounds. You're like, how did that guy have more rebounds than five players on the team that played a bunch of minutes? So he's a guy that's a ball magnet around the rim. He's going to do that. Uh, but I think what comes in is what happened in that span was that there was a lot of raw things that stuck as in, with him as an offensive player. I think one of the things we saw in summer league was that he's we kind of viewed him as an uh, outside threat. That's a big man that can space the floor. He's a guy that can take some threes that look good above the break. But that is not what he did at all in this kind of this season with Miami. That is not what they put him in. Instead of using him like that in that type of kind of, let's say, Kelly Linick or Myers Leonard role, they used him exactly like Dwayne Dedman. And I don't think that was problematic. Like, I think he only took 11 threes on the season. He was one for 11. But he was very good as a roller. Like, he was very good inside the paint. He was very good. He got to that little floater inside the lane. Uh, and so that's kind of what I'm expecting. I think you're going to see a little bit more bigger version of that. I know everybody wants to see, and we're going to get to it later in this pod, where we'll talk about the expectation of what his role will be. I know people want to see him next to Bam. I know Pat Riley, somebody that's talked about playing bigger in the past. Uh, but it's interesting because I'm just not so sure if that's what we're, they're going to throw him into immediately. Like they, I, I just can't see them putting him in this specific role right now this past season, then turning the page and they're going to say, you're going to take X amount of threes above the break so Bam can get more space. I think they're going to use him similarly to Deadman just can be a little bit more dynamic in the mid-range. I think he's more trusted as a mid-range shooter, as a floater guy. Uh, and I think something we could talk about probably a little more that happened in that specific run, and it was a game against the Suns, was the game where he kind of just went crazy in terms of they turned the keys over to him as, as a playmaker, where they had nobody playing, and they didn't know what they were going to do against this top-tier Suns team and did not look good, uh, I guess, for them heading in. And they basically really dominated that game against a very good regular season team. And they basically gave Omer the full keys to the offense in terms of playmaking. He had eight assists in that game. 
and he was basically, they were running post splits for him. They were running a bunch of different sets for him and they were, he was throwing things back door. He was running handoffs on the top of the key in different plays. There's always been with these young guys, undrafted guys, like a certain thing that you see a, like a very small amount of, and then it just kind of just shoots forward in a crazy way the next year. Gabe's, we could say Gabe's shooting, but I'd say lean more on Gabe's defense. Like when we saw a little bit of Gabe's defense in those small spurts, and then all of a sudden you see what he is now. Uh, Max Struess, you could throw as kind of a bunch of different things. Maybe we've seen a couple of times uh, with him just as not being afraid to shoot and shooting over the top of people. And now he's a very dynamic shooter. I think the off the wall thing for here with, with Omer is that not to say he's going to be an elite playmaker by any means, but he can carry the load at times. And I think they can turn that over to him, which in a way that they just can't do with them. Like Deadman is a lot of things. And that is not to say like Deadman was great. We're going to talk about that later as well. But Omer is something different where he can be a playmaker, I think at times. And that's something they can get to, I guess, in his development, but that's the key word development. Like they expect a much better Omer Yurtsman next season. I was part of the camp that said, I thought Deadman should have been the backup big last year. Uh, as much as people were kind of yelling for Omer, I think this season, if I can get to it now, my personal opinion, I think this is Omer's time. I think this is now he's going to be much more ready. Uh, and I think he has much more to offer. But just look at his season. It's hard to evaluate a guy that played limited time like in his like kind of raw numbers. I think he averaged five points a game when you look at it in that way. Like it just doesn't pop. But I think for what he did in that type of December, January span, I think that's what we have to look at for the longest. And I think that kind of says a lot about what we can expect. Okay. You went through so much there and I'm glad you did because it's just the two of us. So thank you for that. But also you went through so much there basketball wise that I'm trying to organize myself. One thing I'm really glad you brought up specifically was the way that he can be used as a passer, right? The pulse splits. Dwayne Dedman can make simple passes, right? Omer is unnatural, I think, at that position around the elbow, um, looking for guys, right? Whether it's off the handoff or however the Heat like to use their bigs as a screener, I think there is some upside there. And that's kind of what I want to get to here before we go to the break. The upside with Omer Yurtsevin, it's interesting. I was looking into him before uh, we started the show as kind of my prep, you know, since I'm hosting. I had to make sure to be on point for this one. And by that, I just wanted to be as informed as possible. Try to, you know, go through everything I could through all my resources to, you know, paint a picture for the season Omer had. And I was actually surprised with some of the stuff I found, like um, shout out ducks and dunks and threes, shout out basketball reference, both of them looking through their individual defensive stats for Omer. Like he, according to <laughs> the advanced numbers from both of these websites, you know, was a higher impact defensive player than offensive player. So by Dunkson Three's defensive estimated uh, plus minus stat, which is, I believe, a proprietary stat for them. It's their own. I, I believe. I'm not 100% sure on that. I might be wrong. But regardless, uh, that doesn't matter. He was a plus 1.3 on defense and a negative 0.9 on offense. And then when you go to basketball reference, his defensive box plus minus was a 0.4. Offensive box plus minus was a negative 1.4. So not that I, I believe that he's a better defensive player than an offensive player, but that's what this, the, you know, a lot of these advanced numbers would tell you. And I think that's, this is actually a good thing for his upside, because I think, you know, it showed that despite all of us saying that, you know, he's kind of slow and maybe he's going to have trouble sticking with other perimeter players. Uh, it looks like he was pretty solid, right? Just when he was actually on the floor, even if it was, you know, little time, all of this has to be, 
has to come with the premise that it's small sample. So we didn't get a, you know, we, we didn't get a, a full um, picture of what it would look like with Omer given a regular role. Right. I think it was, it was very uh, come and go. It was here and there, but when he was on the floor, according to PVP stats, they, they, they had a, a net rating of five this season. Right. And I just think he was good when he was out there. Right. He's not a world beater, but he's a good player. And I think the way that the roster stands right now, and then we're going to get to a break here. Um, they need upside. And I think Omer Yurtsevin is somebody who brings them upside. And like we were talking about before the show started, they know what they have in Dwayne Dedman. And we're going to get to more of that here. After we talk about price picks a little bit, I might go over on Omer Yurtsevin points <laughs> if he's even eligible on price picks. I'm not 100% sure he is. But I think he's going to have a much bigger role this season than you saw last season. With price picks, promo code 5, you get big payouts. You can win up to 10 times your cash on a single entry to add to the $650 million that they've already paid out. You get 24-7 live support. According to them, you can get a quick response from real price pick support reps, regardless of the time or day. And also, according to them, fast and secure withdrawals. When you win, you won't have to jump through hoops to cash out. It's much easier to actually make your money and receive your money than a lot of other gambling websites. And that's kind of a big deal because, you know, when you win money, you actually want to win most of it and get it quickly and not, you know, lose a bunch of it to random fees. So shout out price picks. But now... Uh, back to the show. Promo code five, by the way, just one more time. Promo code five, pricepigs.com, pro promo code five. Okay, Brady, now that I've successfully scared away price picks from ever re-upping with us on another sponsorship deal, let's get back to Omer Yersevin. And I want to get into the type of role he's going to have next season. I, I got into a little bit there before the um, Bumble Dad read, but seriously, Omer with some of the stuff I've seen here, like I think the post splits, the fact that he's shown to be defensively solid, right? Okay. However you want to characterize it, not terrible, which I think is a step up um, from maybe what some people think, maybe what I thought before. I didn't think he was terrible, but I didn't think he was good. And so this stuff makes me feel better about him getting a role sooner than later. Cause that's kind of what I was, it was uh, unsure about. Like you said before, I also felt that Deadman was the guy for them last year as a backup five. And kind of, you know, we made jokes about people who wanted Omer to play more. And it's because I feel like sometimes they come at us so hard and, and it feels like they think that their way is the only way. But we all got to come together here, right? This is, this is basketball. And in reality, like I said at the beginning of the show, I think there has been a trend in the Eastern Conference to get bigger. And so people want to go. This is the NBA is a copycat league, right? You saw Omer as a young guy um, have an impact in a sh short period of time. And we're like, that guy needs to be playing more. And so I think now, despite all of that back and forth, we're here now both calling for Omer to get a backup five spot. And it's no hate or no shade towards Deadman. I think... Um, he was solid for them. And I think he honestly um, fell off a little bit in the second half of the season, specifically towards the end in the playoffs. And that happens sometimes with back-end rotation players. I don't think it's uh, any fault of his. Like, he came in on, on, a, on a small deal and did more than what he was expected to, got paid again on a small deal. So it's, you know, no risk, no real harm there. But now, like, you need upside from that position, I think. I don't know that Dedman is going to give you more than what he's shown. And looking through his stats here, 
you know, he, everything shows here that he kind of dropped off as the season went on and just, it was progressively getting worse. So you wonder if now is the time for Omer to get that spot. And okay. What I wanted to ask you is what do you think Deadman gives you right now that would be better than Omer? The only answer I think I would have to that is experience. I think at this stage, he has more experience for you in the regular season. I think he knows the the system, I guess, a little bit more at this stage, uh, just be playing in games. Like I think Omer probably knows the system a decent amount. He's been here now for a little bit, but it's a little bit different playing in games, but that's kind of where we come down on it. I don't think there's many advantages there when you ask that question. Like I feel like a lot of the arrows at this point, at this very second point in Omer's favor, uh, and you've been hinting kind of a lot and bringing up the defensive stuff. And I think that's kind of an interesting place to start in general when we're talking about roles. Uh, because if we start digging into it a little bit more, like we keep saying, I personally believe, I think Omer Yurtz is the backup big to start the season. Okay, we can have a totally different discussion. I know people can go from him not playing to now saying he should be starting next to Bam. I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. Like that's, we need to chill out a little bit. Maybe let's just get him into the back of big spot first. Let's just have that first be the landing spot. But where I come down on it when I start thinking about it is in terms of role, if he's the back of big, the back of back court, which we're, we probably talked about in another pod, is probably most likely going to be Gabe Vincent and Victor Oladipo. If you want to talk about a back court that benefits Omer to a T, it's those two guys. So if we want to talk about base defense and drop coverage, Gabe Vincent and Victor Oladipo fighting over screens is the most ideal thing you're going to want. You want those two guys doing that going over and under, uh, just like you can do on prize picks. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With code 5. But, wow. Uh, yeah, I just had to slide that in there. But Professional. That's kind, of, that's kind of where I come down on it. I think that's kind of where it fits in the most. And when you talk about him defensively, where he did last season, I think a lot of those numbers are very kind of favoring him is because they did good defensively over that run. Like they were using him and moving him all over the place. And I think that's what they're going to have to do this season. They can't have him just sit still and drop. They have to blitz. They're going to have to move him around. Uh, I think one of the things they're going to do probably more than anything, which is probably a whole other discussion is I think they run a lot of zone with him on the court. I think they run a lot of zone. And the reason I say that is because just like I just said with Gabe Vincent's and uh, the Victor Oladipo's, I think they're going to run a lot of what they do every time they run two, three press is they run two, two, one or two, 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 three zone. They run a two, two, one press that benefits this lineup as well, because you have guys pressuring like Gabe and Caleb, or let's say Depot, and you can kind of fall back into that zone where Omer can kind of just play his role. And as much as we talk about him defensively, if he's kind of just playing it out under the rim in that way, I think you feel really comfortable because he's still a lengthy defender. Uh, a lengthy body that can at least deter some things around the rim. So that's kind of where I feel about him defensively. I think there's a lot less worry right now than there was last season. You may be saying the roster didn't change. What's the difference? I think they're just kind of more comfortable in general and he'll be more comfortable. Uh, But when it comes to offensively uh, in that role, I think we pretty much touched on it. I I just really believe that it's going to be a lot of inside the lane type of uh, pick and roll stuff. I just don't expect a lot of popping and you, I, I, kick it back to you in a second and get your opinion on it. If you kind of think it's going to go that way, if he's going to be shooting above a, kind of a bunch above the break, I kind of feel the opposite for some reason. I think they're going to utilize him a lot without Bam on the floor. And they're going to have him kind of playing Deadman and diving and kind of getting to something I noticed in, in kind of some of the film I was looking at was one, he's a really good screener. Like he, he knows when to go and when to cut and when to dive off the screen. So he's going to have a lot of uh, kind of different advantages there. And he has that little like one foot, like the two foot floater in the middle of the lane where he puts like both feet down and he goes up. That's why I kind of imagine his game being. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say is that I keep throwing Gabe Vincent's name in here. And the funny thing is, is when you think back to last season, if it was in garbage time, if it was in that type of run in that December, January run, Gabe Vincent and Omer Yurtz with pick and roll was one of the best combos for some reason. Like, I don't know why, like, I don't have the answer to that, but so many lobs were thrown out of that. So many buckets were gotten out of that. There was just a certain connection there that just worked. So maybe that'll carry over here. Uh, but that's kind of where I come down on. I think there's a lot of aspects of this that's all about kind of projecting forward of what he can become. But I think he's also, even if it's not all the way, he's an innings eater. Like he's a guy that they can get stops. Either you're not going to get second chance points because he's probably going to get the board and you're going the other way. So I think there's just a lot of benefits at it with it. Uh, I think it'll be a fun battle in camp. Like, Dwayne Dedman is still a guy that's going to compete in camp and try to get his spot. That's going to be fun. So I think if he does earn it, which I believe he will, 
I think you feel really comfortable at that point. So we'll see what he does in camp. Uh, and then obviously, like I keep saying, I think the starting level job, <laughs> I think that's, that's kind of pushing it a little bit. I think that's when it gets a little weird because you're either going total small ball or going total just non-spacing ball. Like there's no in between with this roster. Yep. And you nailed it there as usual, but I just think you really, you know, went across the board with the two-way stuff there with Omer. Like I think on offense, um, I would be absolutely floored. You might say five on the floor if Omer <laughs> were to really get some playing time with Bam next season. Like, I just think, like you said, I, I could not agree more. The safer option is to get him going as the backup five in a similar role to Deadman, like you said earlier in the show, where he is not doing too much, but he's in, put in a position, like you said, on both sides of the floor with the guys that he's going to be playing with to succeed, right? He doesn't need to do too much. And I completely agree that when he when they're not dropping when he's out there, like they're perfectly built for at the moment with the projected bench lineup out there, um, they're going to be zoning. We've seen it time and time again over the past few seasons in different stretches, you know, different contexts that, um, you know, I think this is going to be another season, right, based on the roster as it stands right now. We're not talking about any possibility of Kevin Durant or Donovan Mitchell, and I'm sure Omer would still factor in as a backup five if he's around for those guys, right? Um, he probably wouldn't be around. But anyways, I just think the Omer upside in the sense that, you know, the Heat needing more – Somebody who can play above expectations. I think Omer is the guy to fill that in more than Deadman. Like I like we talked about before, I think Deadman is somebody you can go back to if the Omer thing just doesn't work out. If you think that, you know, you're worse off with him on the floor, if it, which obviously, you know, you don't want that to happen. But just in general, I think Omer with the, the touch stuff on offense that you talked about, I, I'm really glad you mentioned that. I was actually going to get to that because I, I think – the, the fact that he has that touch there kind of um, away from the rim where he doesn't only need to score at the rim is, you know, a little bit encouraging there because the other indicators are not very encouraging as far as the shooting, right? Like, again, small sample. He didn't take a whole lot of jumpers this season, but he shot 37% from the mid-range, which, you know, not great, not good. And 9% from three, <laughs> again, not great, not good. So um, 62% from the free throw line, another indicator of shooting and touch. Not great, not good. Small sample, first season. We'll see what happens in a, you know, with a bigger sample this season. But I do think, like, he does have some touch. I just think he's going to be – he's someone who is due for some polishing once he gets a bigger role, right? Like, I think it's going to kind of even out a little bit. Whereas, like, he had a higher turnover percentage and assist percentage, right, even though we're both talking about him being a good passer. I don't think that – means he's doing too much like I think he he did too much but as a rookie that's kind of what you expect right now if this pattern were to hold for multiple seasons I think that or even just into next season I think that would be concerning because you obviously don't want your center you know um who you're trying to use in post splits to have a higher assist percent I mean a higher turnover percentage than assist percentage but I do think he has upside there to be a lot you know better you know fix that ratio a little bit next season I think he has upside to be a better shooter next season. If he's even if he's not taking many jumpers, I just want to see him hit some wide open ones. You know, similar to what Deadman would do, right? When he's left wide open with time to set his feet, you know, uh, check the wind, all that, take the shot, right? Like I think that there's it, in the regular season, it doesn't really matter, right? And and just Omer on defense, like you said, I think 
he's got some upside there too. Like I think the one I asked you before, what is Deadman better at right now? And my answer to that, at least from what I saw last season, even though he fell off a little bit at the end, I think Deadman was a more solid rim protector. I think Omer, they're e- they're either equal rebounders or if not, Omer is better. But um, from a rim protection standpoint, I think Deadman was a little bit more solid, a little bit. Um, more disciplined with not biting for pump fakes, things like that. Again, things that happened with rookies, right? And I think Omer um, just fell victim to things that happen all the time with rookies. And so, although I, I was kind of down on him for a lot of last season, looking more and more into him, like I, I'm higher on it, right? Like I, I was already feeling good about the prospect of him being a backup five, but the more I looked into it, it's like, okay, you might get some real upside out of this because, um, you know, the other option necessarily is not the upside play, like I've already said. And so other than that, Brady, what I wanted to ask you here to close, over or under, shout out price picks, promo code five, over or under, Omer Yurtsevin, 65 games. I think I'm going to go under, and we never want to bring up injuries on any show. But I feel like that has to factor in, like the fact that a big man like that is going to play that many games. Uh, and actually, I think that is actually a really good number because I don't know if you were looking at it this way, the same way I am. But Dwayne Denman played 67. So that could that's a great number. Right there. I'm going to go, go slightly under, I think. That's what I'm going to say. And I'm going to throw one right back at you because I was looking at Dwayne Denman's as well. And I was kind of thinking about the minutes. And he was at 16. So I'm going to say, do you think he goes over under 16 minutes, Omega Ritzman, this season? Oh, man. My first instinct is to say under, because if Omer is the primary backup five, and I don't think he'll be a, a catastrophic, you know, player or anything like that, meaning he will remain the backup five as long as he's healthy. I just don't think Denman is going to be able to get those minutes. So he's probably going to be hovering somewhere around 10, 11, maybe. Um you know, unless things fall flat for Omer, which I'm not necessarily anticipating. Like, I don't think he's going to be a, an awesome player or anything like that, but I expect him to be a pretty solid bench five for them and for him to to grow next season. I don't know how much, and maybe this is something we should touch on here at the end, the prospects of him being a playoff backup five. Because like we've been talking about our show, he t- uh, Deadman tailed off towards the end, whether it was injury, age, whatever you want to attribute it to, just – um playing better competition as time goes on, which is what happens in the playoffs, obviously. Um, do you fear that for Omer, even if he does manage to have a good, successful season as a backup five for the Heat? Um, are there specific matchups that worry you? And um, how likely do you think that would be to happen where it becomes like a real concern for him in the playoffs? I honestly think it's kind of likely. Like, I just feel like it is. And that's not even a shot at Omer. It's a shot at the way the Heat do things and the way that they don't want to get those type of guys played off the floor, as much as you may hate the small ball stuff, they do not want to have that as a disadvantage. Um, But if he proves enough in this regular season, like all they need from him in the playoffs is like eight solid minutes, like eat up like six to eight minutes and just get out of there. Like just be decent enough in that span because you're going to want Bam playing probably close to 40, 38 to 40. So you're going to need six, eight, 10 minutes just of, of decent play. Uh, and I think that was the issue at times was with Dwayne Dedman in the playoffs was that they kind of had to go away from it because they weren't getting that kind of solid 10 minutes 
lucky enough, a guy that they lost in PJ Tucker kind of plugged up a lot of that in the postseason. So that's where it comes back to me to kind of loop this all together is that if this is the exact roster, which once again, totally probably a different pod we could have is what I don't believe is going to be by the trade deadline. I think it's going to look at least a little different. But if this is the roster, I think you kind of have to because you don't really have that extra size guy to size up in that way. If you do get that guy, then I think it's kind of likely that that happens. But it's, I don't think it's as much a worry of him offensively. I think there's just a worry of, of teams kind of how they do with everybody in this league. Guys just start getting picked on and they start going at the weakness of your defense over and over and over. And as good of point of attack def- defenders as you may have, as we talked about earlier, they're going to find those type of creases as much as you move them around. So it's going to be interesting to see how they, how he looks in the regular season, but if they get to that point and he's decent enough, I kind of trust that he can kind of, kind of eat up that eight minutes, but it's just kind of getting to that point. Uh, I guess, and as, I guess the later you go in the playoffs, as much as you were hinting at kind of being bigger, they're going to have to use them, I guess. Like a lot of the teams that you were hinting at before, the Rockies, the Bostons, I've been saying that a lot of the teams in the NBA in general are not that big in general in the regular season. Like I think they can get through the regular season without having a giant four sitting there because I just believe they can. In a postseason series, when you have Rob Williams and Al Horford and you have Giannis and Brooke Lopez and you have uh, – not the Sixers because they are not included in that tier. And also PJ Tucker and Embiid do not meet the height requirement, but that's where I come down at. They're going to kind of have to hit that type of, they're going to need him in those times. They're going to need him to bang around. And I think about when he played Joel Embiid and he was kind of there, he was battling with him. Like he's somebody that if he's not backing down from that matchup, that's a guy that they're going to want to play and eat up those minutes in comparison to a Dwayne Denman that could fall off from the end of the, of the kind of the year, which could very happen again. Like it probably will happen again. It's just what happens with older guys. Omer Yurtsevin should be fresh by the postseason, So I think you feel a little bit better, I guess, than you did this, this season. So again, nailed it. Like, I just think, you know, he's not, he doesn't need to do much. It, let's say he, he does remain with the backup five spot in the playoffs. Like you said, wouldn't need to do too much. Wouldn't need to play too much. It would be 10 minutes or less pretty much every time he's out there. Um, and so I think that's kind of a similar spot to what Deadman was in, right, in the playoffs. And I think you just hope that it isn't it doesn't stand out so much. And, you know, while you were talking there, I pulled up again Deadman's numbers in the playoffs as far as um, the lineup data and how the Heat performed with him on versus him off really quickly just to refresh you know, refresh myself on what happened there, right? And the Heat were much better without him in the playoffs. They they were 5.39 net rating without him, negative 2.40 with him in the playoffs, which is very bad. Um, And the thing with that is the the conundrum, right, that you're talking about there, the Eastern Conference at the top, the Boston, the Milwaukee's getting bigger, and yes – you know, I'm going to say it, the, the PJ and MB front court, uh, as much as I hate to acknowledge it, that they probably uh, have to get accounted for in this conversation just a little bit, right? Not on the same, not on the same level, like you said. But <laughs> he, do, he does have acreage, right? Yeah, and exactly. No, and speaking of acreage, thank you for saying that. Omer looks like he's slimmed down a little bit, maybe just a little bit. So hopefully that helps with some of the lateral stuff that we are a little bit concerned about, right? Um, now I wonder the what you're talking about banging with the world's best bigs and the Embiid's of the world like I think he took his lumps from Embiid but like you said was competing and so I think that's part of the growth process um as long as he doesn't slim down too much you need him to be beefy for those types of guys but again he probably wouldn't be in against 
the elite bigs, you know, when it really matters, right, in the playoffs. Again, at regular season is different. It's all about eating innings, just trying to get there, you know, trying to get a home court advantage spot and getting to the playoffs healthy is the biggest thing. So, again, Omer as an innings eater is, is huge. But in the playoffs, he's not going to have to play against those guys. And I just think a lot of the stuff points to him being the guy to get that nod unless Dedman just completely outplays him in training camp. Like, if Dedman comes out and is the backup five, then, man, he must <laughs> he must be looking good in training camp because I think the way it stands right now, it would behoove Spo to try something new there, to, to at least try that out, uh, see how it goes uh, before going back to Dedman because there's just no hurry, right? And I wouldn't be surprised if the roster isn't the way it is right now and if it isn't the way it is right now in, by trade deadline. But that's just where we stand, and – that's where we stand and that's where we, you know, we're going to leave it off because I think everybody's had enough of my hosting. Hopefully it gets better over time, just like Omer Yurtsevin's play and his shooting. Thanks to Brady for joining me. Ethan and Greg, I mean, Jesus, I, I never say that. Ethan and Leif will be back soon for more Five on the Floor this week. We're getting expanded content for all of the season, five plus episodes a week. Much to my and others' despair. No, but seriously, we're, there's going to be nonstop content this season. Looking forward to that. You guys should check out uh, check out the off the floor off the floor feed on Winnow. Check out everything else on Five Reasons. Check out Alejandro and Ricardo's pod that we uploaded to the Five on the Floor feed for Spanish speaking listeners. Uh, we've been wanting to do that for a long time, and they do good stuff. They it was a a heat focused Spanish language pod for anybody interested. Uh, check that out. Thanks again to Brady. Thanks to everybody who listened. And I hope you guys have a good night. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.